0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at ifvinescouldtalk. We believe Michigan makes great wine. It's an up-and-coming region, already producing world-class award-winning wines. Our mission is to enhance the prestige of Michigan wine and help the world learn more about all we have to offer.
1: Welcome to podcast number 27. Today we close out the series about Michigan grapes. Jamie and I talk about the important place the Concord Grape has in our history. We also discuss other juice grapes, hybrids, and vinifera varieties. Tune in with your favorite bottle of Michigan wine and follow along. In recent episodes, we've discussed a variety of popular grapes grown in Michigan, and in particular those that are making great wines. Today we're closing out the series on grape varieties. We'll share a little about other varieties that are important to the state. And uh, we've really not said much about these before. Again, just as a reminder, when we talk about grapes, we divide them into three categories. Juice grapes, hybrids, and vinifera. One juice grape we absolutely need to talk about is the Concord. The Concord grape makes up 50% of Michigan's planted vineyard acreage by far more than any other variety. Did you know that the Concord grape really saved Michigan wineries?
0: I did, but I know you're going to talk about it.
1: (laughs) I have a little bit more to say. (laughs) So in other states, prohibition caused most vineyard growers to rip out their vines. In Missouri and in California, wine growers ripped out all their vineyards, which was, of course, a tremendous tragedy. But in 1919, just before Prohibition, Welch's opened a juice processing plant in Lawton, Michigan. This allowed the grape farmers to not rip out their vines and instead sell their Concord grapes to Welch's. Then when Prohibition was finally repealed, those existing vineyards gave the wine industry a running start. All the other states had to replant their vineyards. So that gave us two to three years head start. And yes, even though it was Concord, it still was what people drank back then, right?
0: I was just going to ask if they were planting vinifera and, well, there may not have been hybrids at that time, but I was curious to know if they had grafted them or if they were just making Concord wine, which sounds like they were making mostly Concord
1: wine. I think in in the 1930s, they were making Concord wine, maybe Niagara, maybe Catawba, Delaware, Mm -hmm. probably a couple other American varieties, if you will. Mm -hmm. There were, hybrids came on the scene in the late 1940s. Uh, Baco Noir was a huge influence in in our state. And uh, we should spend another episode talking about that, because it's actually very significant.
0: We should, because I didn't know Baco Noir until just recently. And... I've never had it on its own as a varietal wine, but I've had it in blends before, and it's very good. But I didn't know that it had such a history in Michigan.
1: Huge. Even as late as the early 1970s, Michigan remained the fourth largest wine-producing state behind California, New York, and Ohio. It really wasn't until the 70s and 80s that states like Oregon and Washington got off the ground in terms of grape growing and wine production. Um, And today, I think Michigan is like number eight in terms of wine production. Mm -hmm. So the grape that saved the day was the Concord. And even though most wine aficionados, including me and including you, (laughs) you know, we don't really like Concord wine. It did save the industry here in Michigan. So is. we need to pay homage to this to this grape. Interesting history. Recent DNA testing has shown that a Concord is a hybrid of an unknown wild grape and Catawba, which is another American variety. And the Catawba is identified as a hybrid between another unknown wild grape and Ensemione, a vinifera variety famous in France for blending with Sauvignon Blanc first. Sauternes, and these typically come from the Graves region of Bordeaux. So who would have thought there's vinifera in Concord.
0: Wow. And Concord is a dark grape or red grape. It is. And the Catawba is a white grape.
1: Catawba is a little more pink. Pink grape.
0: Okay. Right? The
1: Niagara is the white. Right. So when you think of American varieties that are juice grapes, Concord is the purple one, mm-hmm. black, blue, whatever. Niagara is the white one, Catawba is pink, um, Delaware is another one pink. These are all American varieties.
0: Interesting.
1: What are some other hybrids that you can think of?
0: Well, in one of our episodes, we've talked about Chamberson. Yes. Chamberson is a red grape that can stand alone or can be in a blend. I think its more recent popularity is it's it's coming into its own, Vidal Blanc, which I don't know that we have a lot of that down here. I know it's more up north where they do ice wine.
1: Yeah, those are a couple of varieties. So I think those are widely planted. I forget the exact ranking. You know, we talked about Marquette earlier. Is It's the third most planted hybrid mm-hmm. behind Vidal and Chamberson. So right. There you go. Right. Interesting that you mentioned those two. Yeah. What other vinifera varieties kind of stand out in your mind that we haven't talked about? What about cabsaw What's... What do you think about Cabsoff? Love Cabsoff. I think Michigan Cabsoff is,
0: compared to other states, I would say it's a little thinner than what you find in California or Argentina or Chile. I think they're, yeah, I think they're a little thinner. Doesn't mean they're not as good. I think they age well in the bottle. If they taste good now, they'll taste even better later and be a little more fuller bodied I think too. You know, um, a lot of times people think Michigan just, they can make wine, but it's not as good as some other wines they've had. And that's so wrong because every vintage we make is different. So your caps off from 2019 can be different from your 2020, your 21, your 22. And I think Michigan allows themselves to be a little more experimental too with aging with barreling and and i think they really let the grape talk in their wine rather than making it mass product production or mass produced i think they allow the grape of that year the weather the you know the sun the rain amount the wind whatever you got it really speaks in that wine and there are wines that i can tell you today that really stand out to me based on either experimentation with uh, barrels or with the actual variety itself. So that's what I love about Michigan wine, is that they can
1: always be different. Right. Some people see that as a flaw, right? It's not consistent. But then we're not making 100 million gallons of something a year that people expect to be similar from year to year. I think the other thing that plays in our favor, and you mentioned you mentioned it earlier in your comments cab saw from other regions those other regions tend to be warm warmer climate and here it's a cool climate so they're gonna be lighter body because they're lighter body they're going to be better served by aging in my opinion me too
0: and like I said if the flavors are there they'll be there in a couple of years but even more pronounced in a
1: fuller bodied wine right if you let it age yep and more time in the bottle definitely helps. I, one example of that, not Cab it's another variety, where I had a bottle like two months after it was put in the bottle, maybe not even that long, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then four months later, I had the same wine, different bottle, of course, and it was far better, even in four or five months. Wow. It made that much difference. Wow. In that short of a time. Yes. Wow. Much difference. Now, there is some bottle shock, right, Mm -hmm. from the bottling process that wines need to settle out. But, yeah, so I do think you raise a good point. The extra aging can really go a long way. Mm -hmm. Are there any other vinifera? You know, one we haven't talked about is Chardonnay. Right. What do you think about Chardonnay on the Lake Michigan shore? Well,
0: (laughs) originally Chardonnay was not my favorite. I found it very especially oak Chardonnay, and I had never tried un-oaked Chardonnay. But the oak Chardonnay to me was buttery, toasty, too much in my opinion. It was too full-bodied, in my opinion, for a white. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't a big fan of it until, and, and, and maybe that's also because my, my palate was not super developed at that point. I drank a lot of Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio. I don't know that I was ready for a fuller-bodied white, like an oak Chardonnay. And I, like I said, I never had had an unoaked Chardonnay. And then when I started at Blonde, they had an oaked Chardonnay that changed my world.
1: An oaked Chardonnay.
0: An oaked Chardonnay. Really? I was doing a uh, dinner um, service for them. They were doing a wine club dinner, and they had. This is where I where I come in with I remember vintages. It was a 2013 oaked Chardonnay. And they had used all brand new French oak barrels. And it was the most buttery, oaky, toasty, tasty Chardonnay I've ever had in my life. And I've never found anything close, or, or as close as that, that one bottle. I had, I, I don't even remember how many bottles of that I bought, because I loved it. And I could drink at room temperature. It was that standalone that you didn't even need to have a chill on it. It was mm-hmm. so good. And it would stand up to a steak or spaghetti. Interesting. So, yeah, Chardonnay is awesome. And, you know, whether you go with an oaked variety or if you go with an unoaked variety, the unoaked you're still going to get a little bit of those notes from a Chardonnay. But they're not going to be quite as buttery and oaky as an oaked Chardonnay, obviously.
1: I'm kind of in the same class that you are. I, Chardonnay is not my favorite. However... I've had two unoaked Chardonnays recently from up north, uh, Chateau Chantel and Verterra, Old Mission Peninsula in Lillanau, and Lelando, and Lelando Peninsula, and I found them to be absolutely amazing. You could change my mind about Chardonnay, especially unoaked, uh, lighter versions.
0: hmm They definitely can hold up to a Riesling or a Salt Blanc for oh, sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we could spend a lot of time talking about lots of different grapes, and I think we need to maybe change this up a little bit. Maybe in, a, in an episode soon to come, we should talk about Pinot Noir.
0: Yeah, let's do that. What do you think? I, I think that's a great idea. All right.
1: So that'll wrap it up for this episode. If you want to learn more about the Grapes of Michigan, check out the website, michiganwinecountry.com. They have a They have an extensive article there that goes into quite a bit of detail about the various grape varieties here in the state of Michigan.
0: Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast if Vines Could Talk on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We always appreciate likes, shares, and comments on our podcast and social media. If Vines Could Talk comes to you from Vineyard View Recording Company in Baroda, Michigan. Produced, edited, and hosted by Steve Salisbury. Co-host is Jamie Newman. Narration by Sarah Spoonholtz. Copyright 2024.